So Joel from chapter 1 to 3 talks about the day of Yahweh. That is the, the, the core of the message of Joel. Uh, usually when we talk about the prophets usually we name prophets like Amos or uh, Hosea and the time that they were active were, was around BC 470 but Joel was a prophet who lived even before them about a hundred years and why don't we call them call Joel the first generation of prophets so rather than saying that he's the first prophet we usually call him the prophet that opened up the door for the other prophets he's the person that opened the doors to the eschatology of the end times and because Joel opened up this prophecy this revelation upon Israel the rest of the prophets were able to follow behind him after a hundred years and prophets like Zephaniah Zephaniah focuses on the remnants who, who will receive this message in the end times and Isaiah can be said uh, as the same too their focus is on the remnants and so this message was, was possible because Joel opened the doors to eschatology so the title for today is All Remnant Gather for the Times Needed. And this, this prophecy is a, uh, is a promise given to the remnants who are waiting for the Lord to come. Isaiah, Zephaniah, all the prophets have talked about that day where the Lord comes back. And only those who are willing to listen to the, to, to the Lord's uh, uh, command for us to repent are uh, those people are called the remnants of God. And in order to listen and receive the word of Zechariah, we must first look into Joel so that we can uh, look at the overall picture of eschatology. And Isaiah and Zechariah are all books that we have already listened to. But there are some things that need to be fixed, some things that need to be uh, mended. And now is the time where we, we, where we need to uh, integrate all the words of all the messages of eschatology that I have preached for the past 10 years. And ultimately, we're going to look into revelations to form that integration. So that's why we are looking into the book of Zechariah beforehand to prepare for that unification. I think we'll be looking to chapter 1 through 6 of Zechariah during this conference. And later on, we'll finish uh, to chapter 14. And I'm sure, even though it's the same message, it will come to you in a different and new way. 
one of the new things that appeared this time is will be will, will come out today later on. So today is a is um, a prophecy about the day of the Lord, and the day of the Lord talks about the ultimate judgment that the, that the Lord will uh, bring forth upon this land. To those to sinners, this day will be a day of judgment. And to the righteous, it will be the day of ultimate victory for them. It is the completion of our salvation. So to the Lord's children, when they hear the word end time, they need to be filled with anticipation and excitement. And they need to cry out with joy and happiness because it's a day of victory for us. So the whole focus of our faith life is to, to face towards that, that last day, the D-Day, to wait for the Lord to come back. The reason why we're doing this ministry, the reason why we're gathering in worship is for us to prepare for the day of His second coming. The reason why you earn money, the reason why you get married, whatever you do on this earth is to prepare for that day. It's not because you have to do something on this earth. That's why we call that day Purusha. Harusha comes from, uh, the, the, from, from the Roman Empire. It's to describe the king coming in. But that's the, it can be used for our faith as well because we're preparing, we're waiting for our king to come back. In Colossians 5, it says that the Holy Spirit comes in Harusha. And in another place it says, it says that in the church the heavenly assembly comes upon it. And that is also uh, the, 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 the verb used there is also parusha as well. And in John chapter 2, it also describes the, the, the uh, wedding of the Holy Bride. So no matter what kind of uh, form you have come in today, if you desire for grace, then instantaneously you will, you will, you will rejoice and you will be happy. Even if you have just come back from a, from a uh, three-week trip from Europe, it doesn't make sense that you're, you're getting tired. And if any of you start to doze off, I'm going to make you stand up and dance before us. So, I warned you. Amen. So what kind of uh, dance am I going to make you do? I'm going to make you dance like uh, our African brothers. Maybe like Philemon. Their dance is very special and unique. The Zoe Ministry uh, churches in, in Africa, the church members over there are not uh, large in, in their body. 
when we go to Central America, the people are larger than our brothers in Africa. And so when they dance, their whole body jiggles. So anyways, I'm, try, I'm telling you guys not to uh, get tired. It doesn't make sense that you fall asleep during worship. Because your, your spirit needs to stay awake. And the reason why your spirit needs to stay awake is because the Lord's spirit is, is, is here with us. So uh, when it comes to Zachariah or Joel, um, no matter, even without translation, the, the sermons go, usually go about two hours. And so now with translation, I don't know how long it's going to take. Anyways, let's move on. Today we're not going to look at the, uh, the whole book of Joel. We're going to look from chapter 1 and chapter 2. And maybe briefly we'll look into chapter 3. Like I said before, Joel talks about the day of the Lord. And chapter 2 talks about the things that will come right before the day of the Lord. And as it talks about what phenomenon, what events are going to happen right before the Lord comes back. And chapter 2 uh, talks about what we have to do in order to prepare for that day. And chapter 3 talks about the actual day of, of, of the Lord. What well, is going to happen after uh, that kingdom comes. So let's look, at the, let's look into chapter 1. So what kind of events are going to happen before the day of the Lord? Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Daniel. These they all talk about the day of the Lord in their prophecies. But each prophet focuses on a different aspect uh, because they live in a different time period. But, that, uh, but uh, still, they all have uh, similarities. So when we look at all the books of the, the prophetic books, we'll be able to puzzle together all the pieces and see what's going to happen. And especially this message is important for the pastors. And uh, especially the book of Joel is important for the pastors because the pastors need to understand what is going to happen uh, during the end times. But, uh, the rest of the church members, you must also listen to this message as well. So let's begin. Chapter 1, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Bethuel. So there's not much information about who Joel is, just that he is the son of Bethuel. 
And uh, the theologians usually say that Joel was recorded around BC 800 something. So whether or not whether or not we agree with that doesn't really matter. But one thing that we have to be sure is that he came before Joel came before Isaiah and Zechariah. And so his prophets are, are grouped together in, in larger groups. He doesn't go into detail about his prophecies. But Joel's task was to open the door to these prophecies, to, these, to eschatology. So that's why he's important. So let's look at uh, oh no, verse 2 to 4 is the introduction. Here there's your elders. Listen, all who live in the land. So this is very important. And for Israel, it is very important for them to listen to the voice of God. That's why it is, uh, they have this famous uh, phrase, Shema Israel. So when the Lord says, hear this, then we must open up our ears and spiritual to receive his word. Ninety-nine percent of our spiritual growth is dependent on on listening to the word of God, and that means receiving the word by faith. If you can do this, then there will be no issues within your your faith life. Our, uh, a lot of people come and went from our church. I think the number is uh, over 3,000. All of the people who, who went out of church, who left our church, left because they were unable to receive the word. Many of them were, were, were talented, many of them were skillful. The people who are left, uh, they're, just, they're just normal. But why, why are you guys be, uh, able to? Why were you guys able to stay for so long? It's because you guys received the word of God. So when I look at you guys with, with my spiritual eyes, I'm, I'm filled with faith. And when I look at you with my human eyes, uh, sometimes it's quite funny. So those who hear are able to receive the word of God can speak the things of heaven. Can, can communicate with the things of, of the Lord's kingdom. And Israel is not, not Israel because Israel is not called Israel because they listen to the voice of God. Israel listens to the voice of God because they are Israel. And that's why they are able to speak of everything. This is a, a terminology used by Paul. He uses, he says gospel and truth is the same. And so you need to choose to receive the gospel as the truth. So choosing, uh, and you need to utilize your faith in order to choose the gospel, to receive the gospel as the truth. So when you receive that message by faith, and because the message of God acts like a sword, he's able to cut away all the, all the darkness within us. 
And that's why we need to eat the word. You cannot help but repent. And through repentance, your, your spirit becomes holier. So when you're able to receive the word of God correctly, there's no issue uh, that comes after that. So every 15 seconds, your blood circulates through, circulates through your whole body. Then if the circulation is, is, is well done, then there will be no issues with your health. And that's how the word of God is supposed to work within you. So when you receive by faith, you become a new covenant being. And, and because you're a new covenant being, the, the word of God is within you, and the blood of Jesus is within you, and the Holy Spirit is within you. And so to receive the word of God, it means that all three elements are working and churning and circulating within you. The Holy Spirit working upon you, the blood of Jesus, and the word of God all working together in harmony to, to make you holy, to make you righteous. So that is why it is so important for us to receive the word of God by faith. That is the only source of life that we have. And through that, through that message, we can be led to glorification. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says this is the, 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 the radiance that shines from the gospel, the light of the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, the Holy Spirit will bring you from glory to glory. To receive the word of God means that the Holy Spirit and the word of God and the, Holy, uh, and the blood is all is working within you to bring you from glory to glory. So this is so, this is so important for us. And the people of, in, in, in the people who gather in the Adonam cave all said, "You need to gather to listen to the word of God," because they knew that this is the, 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 the utmost priority to them. So, the, the message that says, "Hear the word of God" is not a simple. It is very crucial for us as Christians. This shouldn't happen, but let's say you're very good at ministry. You're doing everything well, but you're unable to receive the word of God. Then all the rest of the, 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 the good things that you have uh, become nothing, become null, because you do not have what is most uh, important for us, which is the word of God. So it is not a simple concept. So here, hear this, you elders. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal phrase that we need to, we need to receive. So in verse 3, Joel says, Tell it to your children, and let your children tell it to their children, and their children to the next generation. So these prophecies, the word of God needs to be passed down from generation to generation. And Joel is going to talk about uh, a, lot of, a lot of great events that are going to happen in the end times. And it talks about locusts, uh, reptiles. Soon, these, because of these army of locusts, there won't be any crops left for us to eat. What does it mean to live as the Lord's children in this age? So when we say the children of God, we can mention many things, but uh, altogether, it means to live a glorified life with God. We do not live by the, 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 the ways of the, uh, of the world. We live by the ways of God, which is glory. 
So whether or not we have money does not become a problem. All we need is faith. That is the life of glory. Because we are faith, we can receive at any time. And to those people, God pours upon them the power and authority of the king. So that is the reward that we can receive while living as the Lord's children. But soon, uh, there will come a time where everything will be taken away from us. All the food, all the resources will be taken away. But don't think like this. Oh, I cannot help but follow the ways of the world because they are in control. Because the world is falling into uh, poverty, we cannot help but be poor with them as well. For the past 24 years, our church, has, we have never matched the economy of the, of, the, of the current world. We were not poor because the world was poor. We did not follow inflation. The more inflation happens, the more we spend spent on our missions, the more we spent in conferences, the more we poured out to others. Even though we don't have money right now, we sent our kids to Europe. We funded their trip, the three-week trip. We, we hold these, these huge conferences. We invite people from why aren't you guys saying amen? How are you able to do that even though none of you really make a lot of money? It's so, either I'm an insane pastor. Or, uh, or it's that God is God has done everything for us. So hopefully it's the latter. It takes a lot of money to hold a single conference. So I believe uh, money is going to come to us. If the money does not come, if, if it is not offered, then we're not going to end the service today. So that is the way of the world. Living by the things that the world gives you, that the living under their control. And I'm sure all of us have experienced that but the church cannot live by the ways of the world. We don't live by the things that the world gives to us. We live by that, the confirmation of knowing our identity uh, within the world. And when the Antichrist uh, appears, he's gonna, <clears throat> the whole world is going to fall under his control. And when it fall to, uh, a lot of poverty is going to happen. But, but when we look in Revelations, the third image, in the time of poverty, God says, do not touch um, the fig tree, the, the wine, wine, the vineyard, and there's something else. But why is that? This is the relationship that Israel has with God. 
So what God is saying in this prophecy is that uh, He will not block this abundance from going to His children to upon it, that for this abundance to come upon Israel. In Zephaniah 3.18, it says, it, it, uh, it, it, is, it is shame to those who, uh, who experience uh, poverty while living with the Lord, something like that. So there's no reason for us uh, to, to uh, turn away from worship because we receive all these blessings from worship. If this worship is holy, if this worship is connected with the heavenly assembly, then you will all encounter the Lord in this worship. Because all those who have this desire will be met with the Lord. But if not, if you do not encounter the Lord, then that cannot be called as a worship. And through this message, you are already being unraveled. That is, that is a proof that you that is proof that you have met the Lord. Uh, repentance will explode. People start to tremble because of the glory that is present within them. These are all phenomena that will happen while when you meet the Lord. So let's move on. Let's uh, move on to verse 5. Wake up your drunkards and weep. So drunkards are talking about those who are drunk in the world. So that means we should not be drunk with the world. As we near the end times, the, the ch contemporary churches are, are falling into the trap of the world, becoming drunk. The church of the Lord and Israel needs to realize that the world is poison to them. Holiness, one of the main interpretations of holiness is to be set apart. So the Lord, the Lord's children needs to be separated from the world. Our salvation can be described in many different ways. One of the, uh, the wide interpretation is, it says he has chosen those, he ha who, those who he has called. So that means we have been called into his salvation. And what is selection? So since God has called us to believe in Him and receive salvation from Him, we need to choose to follow Him. And when we choose the Lord, it naturally means we need to uh, we need to not choose the uh, not choose the world, not choose Babylon. And Revelation 17. Who are the remnants? Remnants are those who have received the Lord's calling and have chosen to live by the Lord. The King has chosen us. And so we need to naturally, and, and very matter of fact, we need to throw away the world because there's no salvation in the world. So one of the deceptions that we have received is 
is that in order to live in this earth, we need to know of the world. We need to be knowledgeable in the world. But that is that is that is the enemy's trickery. I am living very well off, even though I know nothing of the world. You will not die because you don't know something in the world. In Amos 5, we need to live by the Lord's message. It is a matter of uh, it is a matter of faith. We need to be separated from the world and not be drunk. Where are all you drinkers of wine? Why do they wail? They don't wail because they don't have something in the world. It's, be, uh, it's because for it has been snatched from your lips. It means that the blessing of God has been taken away from them because they were focused more on the world. We, as his children, we need to live with the Lord's blessings. And so we, in order for us to survive, we need to continue to receive blessings from God. And that's why we are, we are blessed. We are a blessed beings. Amen. Let's move on. None of you are upset because you're the main pastor to his coffee, right? While preaching. Sometimes there are people who, who really get upset about these things. Some, some people get upset that I've taken off my, my jacket. Let's move on. Verse 6, a nation has invaded my land. So it is going in detail uh, about verse 5. The invading nation may be Assyria or maybe, maybe it's Babylon. But it doesn't matter. Because when you when you're fallen drunk to the world, it means that the, the the world is controlling you, and you have no victory over it. Like I say, Israel is victorious when the Lord is with them. But without the Lord, they will perish. They will be invaded. They will be conquered. This is, this is the relationship that we have with God. We cannot be victorious without the Lord, just like Israel. But with the Lord's help, no nation can come and take control of Israel. So when the, when the church invites the world into it, then they become susceptible to the control of the world. And everything is, is torn apart. This is a mighty army without number. It has teeth of a lion, the fangs of a lioness. Everything is ruined. Everything is torn apart. So the people of God, the church of God in Israel, we must not have a relationship with the world. The, when the church is separated from the world, because God is the only holy being, He makes us holy. And when this holiness clashes with the world, we're able to, we're, we're able to uh, become an influence of the world with the, with the authority and power that comes from this holiness. 
We're able to rule over the world because of this holiness that comes from God. That is the authority given to the king that God has given to us. But when this does not happen, we're under the control of the world. But the world will not give you things that are not, that are good for you. And the reason why it is so difficult to believe the Lord in this age is because of this. It's because of television, our cell phones, the media. All of these things come between us and God. And that's why the people of God are dying. Yesterday, uh, Pastor Francesco said that this is legalism. But when you feed your children, do you think, uh, when you feed your children, will you, will you um, put a little bit of poison into the foods because you think that it will be good for them in the, in the, in the long term? No, you have to realize that television, the cell phones, the media, they are all poisonous to your faith, to your spirit. And so even little portions of it will, will uh, stack up to, to will accumulate to um, a threatening amount of, threatening amount of uh, issues for you. Verse 7, it has laid waste my vines and ruined my fig trees. She's my fourth daughter. Very pretty. If anybody's interested, please come to me. So, what does it mean that their vines and their trees were laid raised? It means that the blessing of God, <laughs> the blessing of God, was taken away from Israel. It means their identity was stolen, and so all the all the vines uh, have become white. So this is the result of, of not focusing on the Lord, but focusing in the world. Because the world tricks you to think that it has the, the key to, to it is able that it is able to bless you with abundance. But we have to know that this is trickery, that this is a great deception, that it, the world has nothing good to give to us. Actually, the easiest way to live is to live by the Lord. Because we, as we live with the Lord, we don't, we don't possess, we, we take, we, we give away. We become lighter. So there are no issues with that. So it's fine if people take things away from you. Just give it to them. Because God is going to bless you with more. Uh, it has stripped off their bark and thrown away the their branches. Point. Oh no. First they mourn like a virgin in sackcloth, grieving for the beth- betrothed of her, of her youth. So now they have to repent. So when you're betrothed in Israel, it means that you're getting married with that person. 
But they have never once uh, uh, spent uh, spend a night together. But even though they have never uh, spent a night together, let's say the woman got pregnant, then that means that woman betrayed her, her, her husband to be with another man. And that's the kind of repentance that we must have, like this virgin who, who uh, is grieving because, because she has betrayed her betrothed husband. That is the relationship that, that, that is the holy relationship that we we must have with God. We need to grieve when we have done something wrong in His eyes. The more the closer we get, go to God. The more you repent, not because of not because you sin. Uh, more, but because the more you, you get closer with God, the more you realize of the wickedness still present within you. You realize how dark you are, how wicked you are. So after 24 years of, of uh, being a pastor, I'm starting to realize what this actually means. So the most important the most important element of your spiritual growth is, is being able to see yourself, look at yourself clearly. But, but the reason why you, you're not growing is because you have stopped evaluating yourself. You're able to see yourself and you lose desire and yearning. And when you lose desire and yearning, it means you have stopped going for the Lord. You have, you have stopped striving to, to come closer to God. For 32 years, I've lived before the Lord. But I, I'm still repenting, even after living 32 years with me. But you guys, you, can, you, guys can, you, can, you guys are my witness that I'm, I'm always in the church. I don't go to PC cafes. I don't go to bars. I don't even go go bowling. I don't go to, I don't go to nightclubs. But I cannot stop repenting. It's because I'm go, I'm going closer. I'm becoming closer with God. And I cannot help but see myself, see my weaknesses, see my uh, my my wickedness. And God continues to tell me the parts that I have not repented of. For example, He will say, oh, "You have not repented about about uh, 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 being being attacked by the spirit of immorality when you talk with that person." And when the, when the Holy Spirit tells me about these sins, about these, these this wickedness, I will repent. And that's how I'm able to live without my thoughts. I'm able to put, by the, put down my thoughts and live by the Lord's inspirations. Today as well, you guys are all, you guys are all here in order to encounter the Lord. And of course, you need to encounter Him first in order to live the true worship. And worship should become everything to us. And another reason why we need to encounter Him 
And to lift up our true worship to him is because we have to, we have to completely surrender ourselves to him. And, and, and when, when we encounter the Lord, we're able to confirm with that because the God is also within us as well. And that's why we're able to see ourselves clearly through the Spirit. And the Bible says, even Jesus, when he was praying to God, he says he came to himself. It's because the Holy Spirit, when we, when we pray, um, we, the Lord shows us ourselves in our time of prayer, in that, in that meeting. And that's the key to how we can repent continuously. And that's how we're able to not live by our own strength. But without that process, we're living by our own standards, we're living by our own certainties. Even, uh, and when we live with our own thoughts, the, the path that we choose may look good, may look beneficial to us, but in the end it's going to lead to our destruction. We need to become close to God. We need to be able to see ourselves through. So repentance is so important. We're, uh, we're going to talk about this in Zechariah as well. So Isaiah was, uh, this is the first time that Isaiah saw the glory of God. He saw a, a great amount of glory. But the glory mentioned in Isaiah 57 verse 15 is not that glory. It says, I dwell in the high and holy place. In Hebrew, it's Nisan, Nisan. The word high is Nisan. But this is not the glory that Isaiah saw in chapter 6. Isaiah was, was, was without hope in that moment. And he felt hopeless because the, the glory of God was on such a high level that he, he felt hopeless that he could, he could uh, reach that level with him. But God will, will pour, this, pour this glory, pour this blessing upon those who grieve, those who have a heart of contrite, those who are able to cry out before the Lord, and those who are humble because they are able to receive this glory. So, of course, God is going to come and meet all of you guys. Even if you fail in meeting Him today, when you pray with, with a heart of groaning, when you grieve to, to, when you have that kind of mindset and desire for God, He's going to come and meet you no matter what. So the, the thing that I like about the Koreans is they're very expressive about the, re the grace that they're receiving. But our, the Koreans, they, they don't respond to uh, these mess great messages. Let's move on. Verse 9. Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. 
Why did the virgin mourn and grieve in verse 8? It's because grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off. And uh, offerings are very, very important uh, elements in Israel in their faith because offerings are offerings are, uh, are done in order to meet the Lord and it's a channel for them to receive blessings from God. And whenever they offer sacrifices, it's it it's, uh, it signifies their their reconciliation with the Lord, and so they can receive blessings from God once again. But this offering was cut off. So worship has stopped in Israel, and that's why, and that means that Israel has lost its identity. And being cut off in worship holds a lot of meaning. It means that they cannot take care of their sins. Why do the Israelites think they are superior to the, the Gentiles? It's because they they are able to repent before the Lord. What does that mean? It means now now that they are cut off from worship, cut off from offering, it means that they cannot repent. And their sins are stacking up. The first reason why the Jews are fear, the Jews feel superior is because they can take care of their sins. But now that they're cut off, it means that they cannot repent. That the issue of their sin remains with them. And the sins gonna stack up and accumulate. And it will become uh, the reason why the, 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 the source of their pain and hardships. And when, when uh, the sins get accumulated, uh, at, at some point the judgment of, God, judgment of God is going to come upon them. So that's why it is so important for us to repent and receive the Lord's righteousness. And with true righteousness, it comes spiritual freedom, uh, the, the freedom of glory. So when, just like how when a master touches the slave, as soon as the, the master touches the slave, the slave is freed. Likewise, Jesus has touched us. He has made us free instantaneously. So we are free from death and we have entered into freedom. So we have the freedom glory with us already. Freedom glory. So bless one another with, with faith so you have the freedom of glory. Let's move on. So who are the, the, the people mourning the most? It is, it is the priests mentioned in verse 9. So, so uh, think about it. There are so many worships being lifted up to the Lord uh, all around the world. There is a church in Korea that has 11 worship services in, 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 on Sundays. So every worship is limited to one hour and ten minutes because they have to hold 11 of them. There are tons and tons of worships being lifted up. But why does it say that worship is cut off? 
It's because God is not pleased with those worships. He says it, those are just shows, not worships. But if you, if you uh, enjoy these shows, then your spirit is going to die every week. So is this church a show? Is this worship a show? No. And we can, we can prove of that because the Lord's presence is present here. All the prophets talk about this judgment of, uh, that, came, that comes upon Israel. Why, what is the reason for the judgment? It's because they have turned away from God and they couldn't repent. In Isaiah chapter 1, God says, who told you to bring all these offerings to me? Eat it yourselves because I'm not willing to receive those offerings from you guys. I'm, I'm tired of you. God himself will cut off the churches that he's not pleased with. So when it says that offerings were cut off, it doesn't mean worship itself was, was, uh, was banned, but that God is not willing to receive their offerings anymore. In Isaiah 26, um, just like the prophecy in Isaiah 26, there are not many churches left that can lift up uh, true worship to God in the contemporary world. Many people have le- uh, lost salvation. Many people do not even know what salvation is. In Joshua 2, it says uh, to, to fill up uh, a stone, a well, uh, a jar made of stone. And that signifies a worship that is stale, that, that, that uh, just goes through the motion. There was a theologian that that wrote a book Antipodium the, 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 the name of the book was Antipodium he says that there are over three, three million churches in the world there's so many podiums there were so many sermons that were preached but they are all done in vain because God did not receive those worships. And many priests do not know what mourning, uh, many ministers do not know what it means to grieve. They just think that the number of the member, the number of, mem- the number of people in the church proves of their, of, of their success. They don't know what the Father's love is. They don't, they don't know what repentance is. They don't know what the presence of, God, presence of God feels like. Now, from that, we can see that we, are, we have entered into the end times. The fields are ruined, the ground is dried up. The grain is destroyed, the new wine is dried up. 
So the food, the, 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 the food that, that the Israel eats is dependent upon their fields. But because they have not cared for their fields, the, the grounds are ruined. And so they cannot hold these crops anymore. All their, all their crops have, have dried up because there's no water and nobody cared for it. So that, this is the image of, of, of the current churches. You cannot, you cannot spread the seed of the gospel anywhere because these fields are all dried up. They're all ruined. And all they care about, all the people care about is not going to hell. That is the only thing they care about in their salvation. Look in the Bible. Where does it say that that is the focus of our faith to go to heaven or to go to hell? The, the Bible talks about the glory of God. It talks about how the children of God should live, how we can maintain this holiness, how we can glorify the Lord. And so saying that, that the, the result of uh, the conclusion of the Bible is to go to heaven, then that is a great deception spread by the great prostitute. We live because of glory. And naturally, when we live in that glory, we will be able to bear fruit once again. Verse 11 Despair your farmers. Who are the farmers? These are the pastors, the ministers. So you need to despair. It's because of you that these crops have died. It's because of you that these souls are not being saved. Because you preach uh, of wickedness, because you preach of the things of the world on the podium, because you only do that to raise your own name, to, to receive fame and popularity in the world, in the, in the church. So realize that pastors and ministers, you are not in charge of your churches. And even touching the souls of others, it is not done by you because people cannot touch spirits. It is only done through the Holy Spirit. And God himself is the only person that can touch the spirits of, of your church members. In Malachi, it says, uh, priests, take off your robes. And that's how bad it is. These are all, this is, this, this, all this is talking about uh, our prophecies written to the pastors. Joe was, Joe knew of Malachi. Uh, I, I was a person that knew of uh, the words of Malachi even before becoming pastor and so when people came to me and prophesied that I was, to, I was to be a pastor I told them no I'm not willing to do that because I know how how difficult that task that, that, that title is how much the Lord uh, requires from these pastors and, and uh, because I uh, and because I preach the true 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 nature of uh, of, of being a pastor, many people have come to this church and 
and, and decided not to become pastor because they realized that it was not their calling. And these people have to be thankful because when you become a pastor without calling, it's going to be the source of, 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 of uh, your difficulties. Amen. Let's move on. Will you vine growers? So, just despair and wail, you pastors. Grieve for the wheat and the barley, for the wheat and barley, because the harvest of fear is destroyed. And because the, the, the pastors are unable to preach the truth and the, uh, the truth and the gospel to their churches, their churches, their fields are being dried up. So I'm not saying the pastors have to strive to do something. But when, a, when, a, when, a, when, a, when God appoints his servant, he is leaving the church to you. And that's why he continues to train his pastors. Even, even though I've been living with him for so many years, even though I've been uh, managing this ministry for, for many years, God is still allowing me to grow and mature and learn from him. And pastors, our ultimate goal is to become a clean channel for God to work through. It's not we who do something. It is not we who have to take responsibility for something. We have to become a vessel for God to work through. If God tells you to uh, do impartation, then, then you need to do impartation. If God says deliver somebody, then you have to deliver. You have to become a tool for God to use. In Timothy, in Timothy, it says, it says to his, his, his apostles, God has uh, given them his message to keep. And that's why uh, pastors are able to um, proclaim the word of God because God has given to them. trusted them with his gospel. So when, you, when you don't have this right relationship with God, you're unable to preach. It doesn't mean that you're unable to speak uh, uh, from, from, from the words of the Bible. It's because I'm talking about your only... I'm talking about a true true sermon, which is which which is which is you proclaiming the word of God, the word of the Lord, which, uh, and from that word, there's this life source that comes out. But if you're unable to have the, maintain this right right relationship with the Lord, then the words that you preach will not have life, will not uh, bring light. Uh, Bring, 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 uh, bring life into your churches. And in verse 12, it says, The pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are dried up. And look at the contemporary churches. Look at the church members. They're all powerless. It's difficult to see sparks within the church members. 
it's difficult to see people who are able to open up doors of heaven whenever they kneel down to pray. And this is not us boasting. But when you live with God, you have this kind of confidence that whenever you, you kneel down to pray, you're able to open up the doors of heaven. But why, 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 are they, why are people powerless? It's because they have become spiritually, spiritually ignorant. So look at the church members of a church. Who takes responsibility for them? God takes responsibility for them. It's not, it's not me. It is not the other leaders. And that can happen when you're, when you're living under the, the Lord's sovereignty. And how do you live under the Lord's sovereignty? You live by the message that is being proclaimed by me through the head pastor of the church. When you look outside, there's a bunch of trees. But when, when you don't water these trees, they will start to dry up. Likewise, that's the task of the pastor. You need to water the crops. You need to care for the crops. And you need to let God work through you to bring life into the church. Many, many uh, people in, in other churches because they're not fully satisfied with the nutrients that come from the message of the, their head pastor. They start to seek other places to, to receive grace because, because they have this uh, thirst for 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 the truth. So if you're unable to receive spiritual nutrients from a church, they need to leave everything behind and leave that church to find where you can receive grace from God once again. This is the most important thing, especially to the pastors. So I'm giving the, the, the rest of the church members spiritual discernment to discern whether or not you're receiving uh, the right, right, right nutrients from your head, from your pastors. Right now, there are four people who are, who are fasting for me. I'm very thankful for them. Many, many of our church members have fasted for me. 40 days fast, 21 days fast. So I'm very thankful for you guys. What kind of a pastor tells his, people, tells his church members to fast for him? I don't know. I'm very thankful that you guys have done it for me. So, uh, the difference between the, pa the pastors are not our difference of level, but a difference of calling. And the reward given to the pastors and the reward given to the lay church members are different because there's a, there's a difference in calling. So the calling that God uses to the, uh, the rest of the church and the calling that he uses upon the pastors that he has chosen are very different. 
It's a difference of perspective because through the leaders, to the pastors, he he trusts them with his gospel. So whenever I go around the world, I always meet the pastors over there. Even when I go to your countries, I meet the pastors there. Because the church is dependent on the holiness of the pastors. Just look at how many pastors are in this church. And they're all being trained well within the Lord, within this church. Maybe not, since you guys are not responding. Let's move on. Uh, are all dried up. It means that there's no joy. Surely the people's joy is withered away. There's no, nothing in this world that should take away the joy of, of the saints. Even without money, you should be, be happy. Even if your husband is acting up, you should be happy. Even if your children are acting up, you should be happy. There's no reason, nothing in this world that can take away your salvation. That's why we can still maintain this joy. If you're sad, then you need to repent. Right now, if you're experiencing sadness, you, are you, are you sad? If you're sad, then you're not allowed to go to Israel. We, we mustn't be sad. Because the essence of the Lord's kingdom is joy. Because He's within us. And He's pouring His holiness and anointing upon us. We can be happy. We can rejoice. What is the second uh, fruit of the Spirit? Love and joy. Love and happiness. So don't be deceived. I'm, I'm unhappy because of this. And I'm unhappy because of that person. You're being deceived. There's no authority, no power in this universe that can take away your salvation, that can take away your joy. We must all rejoice. If you're unhappy, then there are many reasons. But first of all, you're not acknowledging the work of God. You're not acknowledging the word promise. That's why you have lost your smile. At the very least, if you acknowledge God and, and you have received His, His promises, then you can rejoice. Even, being, even rejoicing has many aspects. But that, in the end, it means that you're not living by your own strength anymore. Think about it. Uh, can, a, can an unhappy person uh, uh, give thanks? With their, with their face all scrunched up like that, do you think they can, they're able to lift up their, uh, their thankfulness to the Lord? Is it possible? So when you live by your own strength, 
Por eso esa gente cuando viene uh, algo de afuera no recibe como un impacto. Por eso lo que se alegra es que se alegra. Cuando estas dificultades y bad eventos happen to you, you won't take it personally and become sad because it cannot take away your, 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 your joy. Because it belongs to God. Esa queja significa quiero cambiar Dios. Israel quiero cambiar. Y los israelitas siempre están destruidos. Cuando crecen como los israelitas en el desierto, se van a ser destruidos por el Señor. Like how he struck down the Israelites in the wilderness. So if you're unable to rejoice, if you're unable to give thanks, then there's something that is severely wrong with your spirit at the moment. Because that is not possible with a normal spirit. So I'm going to give you three seconds. We're going to laugh out loud. Some of you, you're, you're, you're so used to not laughing and not smiling that you look very awkward with a smile on your face. You guys are still very young. What, what, what kind of burdens have come upon you that you're unable to smile, you're unable to laugh before the Lord? Is that, is that laughing? That's not laughing. Let's move on. Verse 13. Put on sackcloth, you priests, and mourn. Once again, uh, God is telling the priests to repent. So this, this repentance was proclaimed around BC 850. And those who were called to repent will become the remnants of God a hundred years later. So this, pro this repentance was proclaimed to the priests, but many of them were unable to receive it, accept it. So once you have become a pastor, this is very dangerous. It becomes very difficult for you to repent because you have learned the theology. You're filled with the spirit of religion. So it is difficult for you to repent. So that's why in every conference I say, it is very uh, especially in the pastor's conference, I always say, <coughs> it is very dangerous if you have lost your tears. It means you're heavily influenced by the spirit of religion. The reason why it is difficult to repent uh, with religion is because the spirit of religion is, is a demon. And, and it tricks into thinking you're, that you're, you're righteous, that you're doing well. But when you live with God, you're supposed to be renewed by Him, not because that you want to, but because He renews you constantly. And every day is a new day. Your whole body, the, uh, the, every 15 seconds, blood circulates throughout your whole body. And your heart pumps new blood into it. Likewise, the Holy Spirit also continues to renew us every day and every moment. 
So becoming new is not through our efforts, but it's done by the grace of God. Well, you, you who minister before the altar. So this is talking about the Levites, it's talking about the pastors once again. And it says, uh, come spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before God. I'm telling you to spend the night repenting, praying before the Lord. And the most crucial part of all of, all of uh, our spirituality is, is worship. Worship ministers people. Worship, worship is the key to, to uh, revealing the kingdom of God upon this land. Everything comes to us through worship. If your heart stops, you die. Likewise, worship is like the heart of our body. It is the most important element of the church. If worship fades away, it doesn't mean that you stop worshiping God, but rather God is unwilling to receive the worship anymore. Isaiah, uh, Israel and the church are the same. And why is that? There are many reasons. So the reason why uh, the, the churches are dying is because uh, the, the church has accepted the world, because they have appointed powerless leaders, is because their head pastors no longer no longer uh, live with the Lord. And that's why I always give uh, the pastor of the church a very hard time. I always shake them up so that they may stay upright or, or so that those who are not right will fall away. When are you quitting? Verse 14, declare a holy fast. Not, so God is telling us not just to repent, but fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. So soon they will talk about the prophecy of gathering the remnants a hundred years later. The, this is the reason why we're calling the remnants from all around the world to come and gather here. Because the remnants need to gather together in worship. In Revelations, it says that the, the worship of remnants will continue on until the day that the Lord comes again. So, and then the Lord is seeking uh, the, the worship of his remnants. He's seeking the, uh, the church of Philadelphia uh, of the current world. Churches that have the secret passage open to them. God says, when I open, no one may close. 
Right now we're living in a day and age where the doors of salvation is slowly closing. Because the doors of heaven, the doors of heaven itself is closing constantly. So, and in the end times, he will only open these doors to those, the, the churches of the remnants. Many people come and visit. And there's a certain group of people that come to us saying, we've been wandering off for 20 years trying to open our tongue, open our tongue for you. But we will tell them we can open it, we can open your tongue prayer in a minute. And eventually it was opened in three seconds. Because the presence of God and His holiness is with, present within this church. That's why these kind of ministries are possible. But as the doors of heavens are closing, His anointing will also cease. So, in those times, whenever the remnants gather, that is the only time place where we can receive anointing from, from heaven once again. And we need to continue to invite the Holy Spirit to be present within the church. Because through the words of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will open up all these spiritual gifts through us and all the things that happened in the early churches will also happen within our church as well and soon uh, people God is going to set up a person that will, will, will preach the Lord's revelations upon his name and the Holy Spirit will, will let us prophesy will let us proclaim the word of God he will let us minister and he will let us do his work and that's why the remnants need to gather especially pastors pastors need to come together verse 15 last for that day all these events all these phenomena of, of uh, oh. seeing that all the churches are losing their power and authority all the churches are losing uh, their, their, their faith for the Lord means that the, Lord, the day of the Lord is coming near it is the end times that day is coming this is the same prophecy as Isaiah 26 the church can no longer provide salvation because the glory of God is not present in these churches anymore so who will be called as the Lord's remnants in this, in, in this day and age and verse 16 has not the food been cut off before our very eyes so food here is the word of God so uh, the message is cut off so there is no joy and gladness so the foundation of the church is built upon the Lord's message in 2 Timothy it says, it says the, the church is built upon the pillars of truth so that means that, that the truth the word of God needs to circulate within the church 
just like how blood circulates your through your body, the word needs to circulate through the church. But if the, the message, the word of God is cut off, then joy and gladness will naturally fade away. So when the word of God flows, you will naturally be able to uh, have joy and gladness. So, do not be concerned about your financial problems. And to live like Peter. Peter lived a life where even if he was to die tomorrow, he didn't care. Because death itself did not, is not a big issue to, to him. Death is just a, a faster way to, to, to meet our Creator. So, because the children of God has, have, has, uh, have already been, um, our problem of death and sin have already been, already been taken care of. There's no, death does not become an issue to us anymore. So our church, uh, Koreans, we hold funerals in, in funeral homes and there, there are many uh, halls where you can hold si uh, funerals simultaneously. But whenever we hold a funeral for a church member, it's not filled with groaning and sadness, but it's filled with joy and, and, and gladness. And that's why people from other other halls will come and complain that we're being too loud and that we're not respecting uh, the dead. But we, we aren't sad when people pass away. Because... Uh, our destination is already decided. So there's no reason for us to be sad about somebody departing early. So, having joy in Duran is fate. Uh, 17, the seeds so the field is very important in nurturing these seeds, but because the field is dried up, it is, is no longer able to uh, nurture these uh, seeds. So both the, the field and the seed are have issues, and that means the word of God is not not being proclaimed, and the people are unable to receive uh, the word of God either. So the storehouses are in ruins and the granaries have been broken down for the grains have dried up. So the word of God is not present within the church anymore. And the very fact that the, 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 the word of God has dried up within this land means that we are nearing the end. We are nearing the end. When I first met the Lord, of course, uh, of course, the wickedness of the world was already accelerated by, by that point. But, when, but even back then, when, when, uh, when a huge church organization holds a conference, thousands of people will come and gather, and they will come and pray and repent for this nation. But does that happen now? Recently, I went to visit a, a huge church. They have 50 elders. And all the elders wear uh, red jackets. And they sit in the front uh, of the church. 
Should we do that with our elders as well? Even maybe like um, neck times to signify uh, the Lord's precious blood. Uh, anyways, uh, the, out of the 50 elders that were, were lifting up worship in that church, only two of them were not sleeping. The rest of them all, all were already gone to dreamland during worship. And the pastor only preaches uh, for like 30 minutes. And so the elders will wake up after 25 minutes knowing that the pastor has ended his sermon. That's how wicked uh, the church, the, some of these churches are. Uh, how the cattle moan, the herds mill about because they have no pasture, even the flocks of sheep are suffering. When we go to a restaurant, when we order a food, the food has to come out. But, it, but the pastors of the contemporary churches, it's like they're just showing the church members the menu, the menu and not giving them the actual food. All they say is there's something like this. There's some, there, there are foods uh, like this out there, but, but I'm not going to give that to you. So the people are starving and they're unable to uh, be satisfied. As pastors, we need to feed our church To you, Lord, I call, for fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness, and the flames have burned up all the trees of the field. So the, when the church members are healthy, spiritually healthy, they're able to uh, stay strong and, and be spiritual warriors and be victorious. But because the church has lost its strength, they, are, they start to be devoured by, devoured by the enemy. And their fields and the streams are all dried up. So this is a phenomenon that is happening uh, before the, the day of the Lord. So right now we're talking about what, what is going to happen to the church before the Lord comes. Not, not the, the, not the events that will happen to the world, but what is going to happen to the church is what we're talking about right now. And we need to say this clearly. And I have gone to a lot of the churches of the world. And, but I have not seen a lot of churches that's truly desire for the Lord. The church, all the churches of God should become like the early churches. It's not something only specially given to the early churches. That is the original shape, original form of a church. Because the church was bought uh, with the price of, of the blood of Jesus. And we can interpret this in many different ways. But in the end, it means that God has God has taken, taken responsibility. God has taken responsibility for the church. 
Look at look throughout the Bible. See how uh, how many prophecies are given to the church. But why are the churches of, of, of the modern world so powerless? Do not think the early churches were special or unique. If you know who God is, if you, and you know that God is the head of the church, then they, it should become very natural for the church to become like the early churches. In, in the Zachariah exposition that I also mentioned, in the end times, the Lord is going to start to raise up His glorious churches. And that is the original uh, uh, form of the church. There's so many foolish pastors around the world. I don't know why they became pastors in the first place. It is a mystery. They have to quit. They really have to quit in order to save their churches. I'm going to send out my church members to, to visit these churches, to visit these churches and, tell, and tell these these wicked pastors to, to, to uh, quit. Let's go to chapter 2. Let's briefly look into chapter 2. Verses 2 to 11. Talks about uh, uh, what's going to happen. And then verses 12 to the rest of the chapter talks about repentance. And then. And the rest of it talks about the day of the Lord. And then at the end of. Of, of chapter 3 it talks about the blessings that God is going to pour upon his people so it's very simple we're going to go through it briefly I'm not going to explain in detail we're going to just going to we're going to excel with, we're going to flow through these uh, these chapters I'm a pastor that has a hard time preaching briefly. So I have no problem with preaching for a long time, but that's something that clashes with a lot of the people at the church. But anyway, let's look at the, the day of the Lord. Uh, chapter 2, verse 2. Mm. Oh, verse 1 blow, blow the trumpet in Zion sound the alarm on my holy hill this talks about the beginning of a war let all who live in the land tremble for the day of the Lord's coming so people are trembling because there's a war happening and it says in verse 2 a day of darkness and gloom a day of clouds and blackness like dawn spreading across the mountains a large and mighty army comes 
such as never was in ancient times nor ever will be in the ages to come. Like I said, Job was seeing an, an army of locusts coming like, uh, coming like this, like, like this. And this is uh, a prophecy talking about the Armageddon War. And all the prophets use the similar ex uh, expressions to, to uh, express uh, the Armageddon War. Before them, fire the powers, be behind them, a flame blazes. Before them, the land is like the Garden of Eden. Behind them, a desert waste, nothing escapes them. Well, showing them the image of the army in, the end, in that war. Even though it, it looks like uh, locusts, it is an image that God has shown them about the war that is going to happen in the end. So, verse 4 5 all talks about that war. They're gonna, with, the, with the noise like, a, like that of chariots, they leap over mountain tops like a crackling fire consuming stubble, like a mighty army drawn up for battle. So these are talking about like um, like helicopters or aircrafts, uh, weapons that will be used in this battle. But to the prophets, they look like an, an army of wasps coming towards them. And the rest of verses 6, uh, 7, 8, 9, it talks about the image of these armies swelling up nations, marching forward in battle. Verse 10. Before them, the earth shakes and the heavens tremble. This is an expression of the This is talking about when, when, when Jesus comes again. The heavens will tremble and the earth will shake, and the sun and moon are darkened and the stars no longer shine. Verse 11, the Lord thunders at the head of, the, of his army. The Lord is going to lead the, the army of the Gentiles. And he's going to bring judgment upon Israel. And the person bringing this judgment is God. And so because Israel cannot, cannot be, be re restored, that's why the Lord is going to judge them. They, couldn't, they have lost their holiness. And the churches who have stood by the Lord and maintained this holiness and glory will, be, will, will see that, that victory happening before them. The, the day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful who can endure it. So those, the sinners and the wicked churches of the world, this day, that day will be a day of judgment. But to the remnants, that day will be a day of, of victory. It will be a day of completion. And we are waiting for that day. And verse 12 to 17 talks about repentance. Because this day is coming, we need to repent. And uh, the prophets have all spoken this prophecy to the remnants. 
Claro que sí, es hermoso que sí. este llamado al arrepentimiento sí. todos reciban. You know, the reason why clams can make pearls is because they, they cannot bear uh, sand coming into the, 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 inside the shells and so they, they try their best to push it out and that pressure is what creates these uh, pretty pearls. Likewise, we need to fend off the sin that is coming in. He talks about the heart that God has created for us. He says he's, he's given us a, a, a soft heart. So that means our hearts are supposed to be soft. But when it is hardened, we're unable to sense the things of God. We're unable to sense the Father's heart anymore. We don't we're unable to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's why it is so important for us to have a soft heart. In Matthew 5, it talks about the, the, the Beatitudes. It says those who are poor in spirit uh, will receive the kingdom of God. And, and groaning cannot be done by yourself. But those who live with the Holy Spirit will learn how to have a, a groaning heart. But when you don't live by the Holy Spirit, you will not understand what this kind of uh, uh, groaning is. Well, uh, not groaning, but grief and lamentation. Uh, when you have experience uh, uh, of getting sick while eating a certain type of food, you will not, you will have a difficult time eating that food again because of the uh, of that traumatic experience. When you live with the Holy Spirit, likewise, when something that that um, when something that clashes with the Holy Spirit enters into you, the Holy Spirit will let you know that, that He's not pleased with that, and then uh, you, you, you will be filled with grief. That is that is the, the appearance of a normal spirit. When something bad comes into it, it's supposed to uh, be filled with grief grief. But when you stop to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you will start, your heart starts to get hardened and your spirit is hardened and so you will become numb to these things. 
So normally, as you live in a day, when you, when you live with, by the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit will, will lead you to unravel a lot of things. And it's not done through your own decisions. But the Holy Spirit will let you know of something and it will let you uh, pray, uh, repent or pray to God to have this, have this issue resolved. And that's why uh, it is important for us to return to God every, every day. Of course, the best state that you can be in is being able to repent uh, as soon as you, you sin and, and returning to the Lord's righteousness. Or even better than that is to stop before you commit a sin. But at times when you live, you, you, you miss some of these things. And so once that is passed, when that after you have finished your day, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to show you the things that you have missed, so that you can pray and repent and be cleansed, be cleansed by God. When the whole, when the new self is alive, the old self will, will fade away. So when you live by the Holy Spirit, you're living by the new self. You're filled with faith. But on the but on the other side, when you live, when you don't live by the Holy Spirit, you live by your own thoughts, and you're letting letting the old self take control. You live by your own ways and you pollute yourself. So living by the old self doesn't mean that you're committing a great crime or great sin, but ultimately it is bad because you live by your, your own thoughts. You, you, you start to guide your own life. You're unable to feel the Lord's presence. You don't know what pleases God anymore. Some of you say you're okay even though you don't have a right relationship set up, set up with the Lord. You're unable to pray, you're unable to sense His presence, you don't have desire for Him anymore. But you say you're fine. <laughs> Because we are people of faith, and God responds to our prayers. He says, uh, "Receive, ask, and you shall receive, and you will be done according to your, according to your faith." This is the relationship that we should have with the Father. So even after praying ten times, uh, even even being after being uh, after after having your ignores being ignored. Prayers being ignored ten times. If you're still okay with that, then that is a great issue, and that means that your heart is hardened because you don't care if God responds to your prayers. And that cannot happen when you have a relationship with God. Because if God does not respond to your prayers, then that means there's something severely wrong with your relationship with Him. And it's because of the heart, because you have become hardened while living by the old self. So, as you live with the Holy Spirit, it, it becomes very natural for you to take away, nullify the strength of the old self, and to start to live and, and to empower the new self. Yeah. 
the normal, the normal image that you should have is you're always focused on the Lord, facing the right direction. But if that's not the case, then you're looking at the Quran, you're looking at silence, and you're missing the point. You need to conclude your prayer. You need to become soft in spirit. You need to become humble in spirit. You need to face the Lord. So living with God is not a theory. He's a living Father. He's a living God. He's, he's, he's constantly coming to us. He's trying to come and meet us. No, it's, it's nice having our, our Latin American friends here. They're so expressive. You know, in order to make your pastor uh, a great pastor, a global pastor, you need to respond to his message. No, you guys only respond to me when I tell you guys like, like, like so. When you receive grace during, during the sermon, you need to clap, you need to say amen, you need to express yourself. That, that, is, that is very encouraging to those who are preaching. I don't want to force you guys. <laughs> We're almost finished. Verse 13. For he is gracious and compassionate. Why do we need to return to God? Because he is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger. And abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. So what is, what is the saying? When, when a child of God sins in the world, God has already uh, chosen to, to forgive them. And because God has forgiven us, we can return to him. If God says you're going to die when you come back, then we cannot return. In Isaiah 14, uh, 40, uh, the Israelites were, were, were taken captive to Babylon because of their sins. But God says, I'm going to forgive your sins. When the prodigal son leaves the father's house, the father waited from day one for that, for that son to return to him because the father was already prepared to forgive the son when he returns. What is the same? Then that means God has already resolved our righteousness. And we have been given the right, the privilege to return to His presence. It's because He has called us to be His children. And, and as His children, He has already given us His righteousness and, and, and His grace. And in the New Testament, the blood of Jesus is circulating within us. And so when we repent, we're not just taking care of the sin that we committed. We're, we're, we're being washed by the blood of Jesus, which washes, washes away all the influence of sin from us. 
So repentance is very important. Verse 14, who knows, he may turn and relent and leave behind blessings. Grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. So when we repent, he receives our, our, our repentance. And when, we, when he receives our repentance, offerings and worship is re- restored. Uh, repentance for the Israelites was then sacrificing their 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 cross and their efforts as offerings to God, and God receives that. And they are able to transfer this sins into the sacrificial lamb or sacrificial, sacrificial animal, and God accepts that offering because it is killed and burned on the on the altar. But uh, for us in the New Testament, Jesus Himself became our sacrificial lamb. And so even though we need, we need to pay the price for our sins, which is death, uh, Jesus took that death away from us because he paid, paid it with And so the word of God needs to be filled with the church, but simultaneously the blood of Jesus needs to be within the church as well. When you're filled with the word of God, when you have the blood of Jesus within you, you will naturally be filled with the Holy Spirit as well. And it is because we are new covenant beings. We're filled with the Lord's word. We're filled with his blood. We're filled with his spirit. We're filled with Jesus. This is a single event. So this, uh, the, the fact that when they repent, the Lord uh, restores their worship means that this promise is, is being fulfilled. He has made us righteous and allowed us to enter into his glorification. If there's no glory and no holiness within, within the church, then that means that their worship is, has faded away. But on the other hand, if, if, if uh, glory and holiness is within the church, then through worship, that holiness, that glory will lead the, 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 the church members into glorification and sanctification as well. And right now, through the, through the message, through the anointing, through the blessings that God is pouring upon this worship, you guys are being nurtured, you guys are growing, and you will be able to minister, you will be able to heal, you will be able to proclaim the word of God, because the power and authority of God is given to this church. Let's move on. Verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. So this is not a simple uh, repentance, but it requires a fast as well. We're going to talk about this, talk about this in Zechariah. In Zechariah 15, uh, it says the, 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 the Most High God is going to come and visit us, but only visit those who have <coughs> those who have a lamenting heart. So 
and God is willing to receive repentance from his remnants. And, and it's not a simple repentance, but a, a <coughs> repentance that, that is lifted up by, by the Lord's remnants. And through repentance, what is restored? A fast, fast that is, that is pleasing in the eyes of God is restored to the remnants when they repent. And fasting is, is, is something that we have to, that, that the remnants of God need to do. Uh, and it's something that God wants to receive uh, through his people and so fasting is something that needs to happen within the church that needs to be uh, done by the remnants of God and through this fast God is going to work upon uh, this land and how will the remnants of God restore the glory of worship? Uh, in order to, to restore worship, the remnants need to have a heart like the Eden of God, Garden of Eden. So the repentance spoke uh, written in Isaiah 50 is not just a simple uh, repentance, but it's a repentance that is given uh, lifted up by the remnants of God. So, uh, our church, we also have, have had a lot of people fasting for this conference and fasting for meat. And for a while, we had a pe we had a continuous chain of people fasting long term uh, for for that that didn't stop for like three years. And the reason why the Lord keeps telling us to fast and allows us to fast in this church is because He because of this repentance that He wants to receive by the remnants. It is to help the remnants of the world repent before the Lord. So in our church, almost all the people have already fasted long-term once or twice. And so it is easier to, to count the people who have not fasted long-term in this church. And when, when, you pray, when you fast for one or two days or even a week, people don't even write their names on the bulletin board for people to pray for them because there are so many people who are fasting for 21 days, for 40 days. So, we, us, fasting is not just a religious act, but, but it is all done in order for the, the remnants of God to repent. In Hebrews 12, Dice que cuando se acerca más el último día, no dejen de encontrarse, de congregarse. 
cerraron las puertas oh, de la iglesia hicieron que no podamos dar cultos en las iglesias ¿no? Oh, he says, oh, do not, do not, uh, let that, uh, do not let worship perish within your churches. And thankfully, even in the pandemic, even during the corona pandemic, we have never ceased our worship. None of us said, oh, since we are all sick, since there's a, a, a pandemic going on, we should stop this, stop the worship in church. All the church members gathered in, in the heart, and we all want, wanted to gather in worship. And we were able to rejoice together. And that's why all of us got sick together numerous times. Through, through the pandemic, we, don't, we, we can't count how many blessings God gave to this church. So, since we're all feeling blessed, let's hope that the sermon will end, end pretty soon. Uh, verse 16, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room let the, and the bride her chamber. So, uh, so in order for the bridegroom and the bride to get married they have to leave their individual rooms likewise even though some people because of work and because of other issues they are unable to attend the conference it is very important for us to, to, to physically go and attend these conferences and I, I always feel bad for those who have to stay behind because of work so I bless that all of you guys will, will, will earn a ton of money so that you can be free of these burdens Let's move on. 17. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the, and the altar. Portico is the, the front gate that, that leads to the Holy Holies. And it is right between the Holy of Holies and, 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 uh, and the altar. And the people will gather there to pray, waiting for the priest to, to uh, lift up the offering. So in the end, it is, this, is, this verse is talking about prayer, that you need to pray and worship. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. So this is what the priests pray to the Lord while he offers the offerings. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the people's words their God? So this is to, 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 to keep the identity and the nobility of Israel so that no other nations can come and conquer them. This is the, uh, the confidence of Israel. Why should they say among the people's words their God? 
And Israel cannot let the, the other nations, not the Gentiles, mock the name of their God. And that's why they have to, they need to stay right before the Lord. They cannot uh, let, peop- uh, let, let the name of the Lord be, be, be excluded in the land of Israel. So let's move on to verse 18. This is the Lord's answer, and it talks about the millennial kingdom. Uh, chapter 3 also talks about uh, Reformation, also the, about the Millennium Kingdom. So a time of persecution will come, and the remnants will repent deeply, and through that repentance, Reformation and Restoration will come to them. And this Restoration comes from the Millennium Kingdom. And it, it is not a coincidence that it happens as well. It, the fact that it happened means that the, 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 the faith and the prayers of the remnant have been, has, has met uh, the right conditions. So, uh, before the Lord comes, He's going to set up His leaders. So before the day of the Lord, um, until the, the 14,000 uh, Jews and the, 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 the holy Gentiles who will be, will be clothed in white are prepared, God is telling them to not touch them. And God has given them the flag of victory, just like the flag of our of, of the Zoe ministry. These are the people who will stand before the Lord when the Lord comes. And they are not saved. These are people who are they, 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 they will enter into the Lord's glory rather than we, uh, they will they are ones who will uh, enter into the, the Lord's glory when the Lord comes and so they're, they're called the priestly kings who will rule upon the, 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 the regions of the kingdom in the Bible, uh, people being saved and not saved, and there's not that much of a clear line between because because our salvation is dependent upon who is willing to live by the glory of God and those who are living with the glory of God it is not something that is just uh, that it's not uh, 
¿Qué va a pasar de ellos? So black and white. Claro, lógicamente los cristianos van a llegar al cielo. And those who just go to church because they want to be saved because of salvation, they don't really read the Bible that much because they don't understand the point of the Bible. And the 14,000 people that will gather in Israel are those who, are, who have, lived, have, those who have uh, received the message in full. Those who understand that salvation means to live by the word of God. So right now, God, it, not, right now is the time where God is, is putting His seal upon those people, putting His seal upon those people who will be there to, to witness His coming. The angels of God are coming and putting the Lord's mark upon you guys. Let's move on. So let's look at verse 28 through 32, which is the main text of today, and conclude the sermon there. Because prayer is important as well. Let's move on. 28, and afterward, uh, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This is a prophecy that uh, Apostle Peter used. And he used almost the same wording, but he put the word uh, uh, in the, uh, the end times. But now it says, and afterward. And, a- and afterward, it has, holds a different meaning from in the end. Usually we say afterwards. What do you get when you combine the Hebrew word way and haya? Maye. So in English that would translate to and is. So what's important about that? The verb used here is in the perfect tense. But when when the uh, word and is given is is put with that verb, that becomes that that verb becomes imperfect. So that means that this event is not just a single event. So that means that this, this prophecy was given uh, uh, has already been fulfilled during the Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon uh, the people in, in the early churches. But that does not mean that this prophecy is, is fully complete because it it is, not, it is not defining a single event. When we look at the overall trend, and the, uh, not trend, but overall flow of chapter 2 of Joel, it seems that this prophecy is talking about another day that comes after that, that Pentecost event. So, from verse 12 to verse 17, it talks about a great repentance. In Zechariah, on the, the, t- 
time of repentance has come, has come upon the gen come upon the Gentiles. But in Zechariah 10, the time of repentance will, will, will come to the Jews during the time of persecutions. During the time where the two when the two witnesses will be ministering. And we know who the two witnesses will be, but uh, I'm gonna explain that later. So, uh, when the two witnesses are, are, are active, in Isaiah, it is prophesied that um, the completion of Israel's salvation will happen when Jesus comes. And in Romans, it is mentioned that um, until the, the number of Gentiles, uh, the, 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 the number of remnants in the Gentiles are filled, Israel will have to wait. But now Israel is returning to God slowly. And many Jews are returning to Israel, and many Jews are uh, starting to believe in Jesus. But when will their salvation be complete? That will happen uh, in, during the second coming of Jesus. And so, during the time where the two witnesses will be active, the revival, uh, a revival will happen with the Jews. A revival will happen in Israel. They will start to lament, they will start to uh, uh, cry out to the Lord. And that revival will start with repentance. So, what? So the prophecy written in verse 28 of uh, chapter 2, what is this? What, what event is this talking about? It may be talking, it is, it is simultaneously talking about uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit during the Pentecost, but also talking about that day when, when His Spirit will come upon Israel. And it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And people here is talking about the, is the word flesh. And it is talking about all the people, all the Jews, and all the people who will be living in Israel. Uh, during the end, when, when this great revival of repentance will happen. And the reason why we interpret it like this is because, in the first place, all the prophecies written in the Bible are, are written to Israel and not to the churches exactly. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams. 
your young men will see visions. And one more, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour my spirit in those days. So nobody is left out in, in this event where the Lord pours out his spirit upon his people. I will show wonders in heavens and on the earth. This is a prophecy that appears in Isaiah chapter 4. Finally, at that moment, the Holy Spirit will be given to the Jews. And so blood and fire and billows of smoke will appear. Blood, the blood of Jesus, fire, uh, the Holy Spirit will be upon the Jews and that's when this revival will happen. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So what will the, peop what will the peop people do on that day? And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the last war will happen, the Armageddon war. Revelations 14 mentions this. Many people are going to die. So many people are going to die that um, the, the blood will, will flow like a river for 250 kilometers. And the remnants of the world will gather in Israel. And the, the forces, the army of the Antichrist will, will surround Israel. And uh, people will come from all, all sides, starting from Egypt and Af Africa of the, of the south. And the Jews will run out of uh, ammunition. And uh, Israel will be surrounded and they will lose all hope for victory. But then somebody, some, one Jew will stand up to say, now is the time for the Lord. Uh, we pray to God saying, God, save us. Now is the time for you to come and save us. Send your Messiah. And when the Jews finally call Jesus as their Messiah, the heavens will tear open. And Jesus, our captain, will come down riding, riding a horse. And he will come with an army of priestly kings behind him. And this is written in Isaiah, uh, Zechariah 12. And the earth will shake. And all the earth will become a, a flat. And Mount Zion will rise above this, this, this flat earth. Because of, the, because of this great earthquake that, have, that will happen. And the Jews will see the, 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 the scars on the hands of Jesus, on his ribs and recognize him as the Messiah. And this great salvation will happen. And that's why it is written here, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance as the Lord has said. 
Sí, que ellos fueron escondidos para ¿Qué 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 Como dice Jehová, los que están Finally, the remnants were able to see the, the, the coming of Jesus and receive their, their key. Amen. Let's pray. We all have to be. Uh, we all have to be present there when this happens. So let's proclaim boldly that we all, everyone here, will, be, will have the seal of God upon us. Just like the prophecy uh, that says that the wind will not blow until the number of people with this mark are gathered. Lord, would you put your seal upon the leaders, upon the people of your own church and upon Zoe ministry? Let them give their life for holiness. Lord, would you raise up a glorious church through your holy service? Give them give the gospel of truth. Give them the name of Yahweh. And let them grow as strong warriors fed with your gospel. Let them stand as your warriors. Just like the, 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 the prophecy written in Isaiah, let them be strong, bold, and confident. Let the army of Jehovah rise. Let the glorious church rise. Six. It talks about two witnesses. In 2016, in the in the uh, conference of Bethlehem, we talked about th this message. And soon the, the the time of the two witnesses will come. And of course, already uh, a lot of golden powder and golden powder has fallen upon his church numerous times. But during that message, that golden powder has come upon my Bible, which signifies that, which signifies this golden anointing, which is given to royalty. So, today God is going to pour that anointing, the royal anointing upon this conference, the anointing that is written in Zechariah chapter 4. Lord, would you seal us as, as your leaders, as your priestly kings? Show us what a glorious church is. Let us be the ones to prepare for the way for your way to come.
Thank you so much for, for blessing us with the global leaders of, of the remnant community. We pray that there will be a day where we can meet with all the remnants that you have prepared. And would you bless this conference to be a glorious uh, conference? Upon your servants, would you bless them with the sword of truth? So that through them you'll be able to raise up glorious churches who will praise your name in the end times. Let them become churches that will not limit your work upon this land. Let them become servants that will uh, work for you. Let us see for our, with our very eyes the glorious church that you have built. Lord, would you bless your own church for its service? And would you bless us so that we may begin our construction of our, of our uh, 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 center for remnants in the next two years? Continue to bless them. Give us life. Lord, bless. we bless them. Especially lift up the offerings give, given today, which will receive it with pleasure. And which will use it, uh, use it for the church and for your, for your ministry. And bless all those who have offered their money. And which will raise up more companies that can support this church. Let the church rise. Now, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, and through the holy love of the Father, and the indwelling, comforting, uh, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit, to the saints who have gathered as remnants upon their families, upon their churches, upon their children, upon their inheritance, upon their businesses, upon Zoe Ministry, and upon all the remnants of Zoe Ministry. May this blessing rest from now on till forevermore. Amen.